This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Ruthie's Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. If you were in London in November 2020, then you might have been, as I was, lucky to go to see Fly in League with the Night, an exhibition of paintings by Lynette Yadamboachi, artist and writer. A retrospective of 70 of her works from 2003 to the present, it closed after two weeks due to the pandemic, but is now on again, the first time the Tate has shown an exhibition twice. Lynette is a writer, a painter, and also a magical baker. Today, we're sitting here in the River Cafe to talk about food, words, paint, in other words, all the ingredients to make something like Lynette beautiful. So, Lynette, are you going to read us the recipe first? And the recipe you've chosen is... Polenta, almond, and lemon cake. Serves 10. 450 grams of unsalted butter, softened, 450 grams of granulated sugar, 450 grams ground almonds, 2 teaspoons vanilla extract, 6 eggs, the finely grated zest of 4 lemons, the juice of 1 lemon, 225 grams of polenta, 1.5 teaspoons of baking powder. Preheat the oven to 160 degrees centigrade. Butter and line a 30 centimeter round and 7.5 centimeter deep cake pan with parchment paper. Beat the butter and sugar together until pale and light. Stir in the ground almonds and vanilla. Beat in the eggs one at a time. Fold in the lemon zest and juice, the polenta, baking powder, and salt. Spoon into the prepared pan. Bake for 45 to 50 minutes, or until the cake is set and deep brown on top. Serve with creme fraiche and berries. I like to talk about being an artist and how you eat. I think you're, you eat here a lot, which is really <laughs> okay, nice. Yeah. But do um, you eat out much? A, a fair bit, yeah. But I, I find that I also, I generally feel better if I don't eat out a lot. So I don't, I, I don't tend to eat out as much when I'm very, very busy, when I'm working, mm. because it's, it's so much, I, I just, just physically to regulate my own kind of sleep and everything yeah. when I'm trying to get stuff done. Having a certain routine with what you're eating and the time you're eating at like I can't eat late like for example the last couple of months I've been working on a deadline and um what is a deadline do you have a show I have a show I have no, a show at uh, the Guggenheim in Bilbao oh wow at the end That's of March a great building and great place, beautiful building 
um, difficult, complicated building, but yeah, wonderful. It is. Yeah, um, maybe a <laughs> like a lot of the contemporary architecture museums, yeah. they're great for architecture. Or maybe great not, architecture. not the greatest to not, show not art. Great yeah, for the, yeah. Not great for hanging stuff on yeah. the walls. Amazing building. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I've, I've been really busy with that and I've found that by sticking with a with a kind of a yeah. bit of a routine in terms of meals and, and mm. certain times, mm. I'm I'm just able to get more done and get to bed at a decent hour. It is solitary. Yeah. You know, do you, I don't know if you have other people in the studio with you when no, you're painting. No. You have a deadline now, but are there days when you have a routine that is very structured so that you can yeah, get your work done? quite structured. If I were to call you up and say, Lynette, let's go and have lunch today, would you say... <laughs> I can't. No, I probably say yes. Yes, you would say yes. <laughs> but I, I nice. shouldn't. I, yeah. I should really not answer the phone. Yeah. But yeah. I, I normally so three days of the week I'll get up and train with a trainer online, mm-hmm. and like about sort of training normally around eight o'clock, and then breakfast, and then work. Yeah. Yeah. So. And do you work straight through? Do you stop yeah, for lunch? I stop for lunch. What mornings, painting-wise or studio-wise, tend to be a bit slow. I take a while to get warmed up. Mm. Do you find the solitude of the day mm. something that you treasure and you like, or do you, by night time, are you ready to see, um, see people? It's, it's funny. By night time, I'm ready to see people, but I also feel like during the day, it's solitary, but it's I'm so busy. I'm so yeah. in it. I don't. Even, I kind yeah, of forget. Yeah. I couldn't have anyone there. So, yeah. yeah. Too much work now. But. Yeah. And you know you're going to one of the great cities for food when you go to Bilbao because yeah. San Sebastian is right next door. Yeah. And there are fantastic restaurants there. Yeah. And a great culture of food. And yeah. Do you yeah. travel? Do you With find out about mm. where you're going? Do you yeah. look into it first and yeah. do you explore the food? Yeah. yeah what are I some do. of the cities that you've really liked um, being for food? I really liked. So I think, I mean, I spent three months in Marseille three months on a on a residency many years ago mm. the pastries there were out of this world yeah. i remember the pastries were incredible there that was one um so back and forth to france quite a lot for many years and then many trips over the years to, to the south of spain as well mm. which i again i have funny memories of eating there because we always ate so late Yes, the, the, yeah. the food, I almost don't remember it because no. I just remember feeling like we've eaten too late and I don't feel yeah. very well. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, was they meet for dinner at midnight. Yeah. You know? yeah restaurants really... don't open until 11. Or, Nothing. Yeah. I don't know how people do I it. Know. I mean, it's I indigestion. It's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> how you work the next day. Yeah, I really yeah. never understood yeah. it. Um, yeah, so a lot of trips to the, to the US, which of, of course is just so much variety. But yeah, I, I I do love soul food in New York as well. I, I mean, just like yeah. going to exactly. Harlem and having soul food in these really kind of um, very down to earth, very chilled, very relaxed uh-huh. diners and eateries there. Are a lot of your friends artists? Are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah artists, curators, writers, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Are you having any shows in New York? Not for the foreseeable. Mm. There will be a US tour that I, I can't really say much about yet. Okay. Um, but, okay. <laughs> but that well, will be come. in a couple of years' time. Yeah. yeah. 
I was, Richard, my husband, had a, got a prize in the University of Virginia, and it's called the Jefferson Prize. And I was washing my hands in the bathroom, and a woman came in. And she was just awarded the prize as well as the first African-American to graduate from law school mm. in, I think it probably was the 60s. It was horrifically late. Mm. And um, I said to her, we, we started talking, and I said, what was harder, being a black woman or being a woman to get mm. this prize? And she said, definitely a woman at that time. She said there was racism, of course, in the South that you mm. knew, and it was vile and it was strong, but mm. the antagonism for her being a woman. And I was wondering about, in the art world, what your mm. experience, you know, just to deviate from mm. from food, what, what was your experience of being a black woman in Britain as a painter? I mean, to be completely honest, um, it, was, it was very, very odd in... You know, because it wasn't that, not that long ago, but when I think about when I first... first was out of art school completely and working away and kind of oblivious to certain things because the I never expected a career. I never mm-hmm. went into this expecting any kind of success or anything because you don't. It's it's a crazy path. It it doesn't you're not guaranteed anything. But thinking back to then the the level of invisibility mm. I had like the the fact that I remember being at events and in situations or openings where I would be completely invisible, like nobody would talk to me. Someone might try and hand me their coat. Mm. Someone might ask me to bring them a drink. That that was my abiding memory of say the period from two thousand three to maybe two thousand. 2012, 2011, something like that. And because I wasn't, I mean, nobody really knew who I was or, you know, I didn't really have a, I mean, in some way, I, mean, I, couldn't, I couldn't get arrested for the first 10 years of making work, which was actually really liberating. I don't complain about that because it was actually a really good time to get things done. And I was working regardless. I didn't really care. And I had enough going on for me with different projects, really important shows and things that I was involved in during that time. Um, that kept me very motivated. And I met a lot of wonderful people, mostly in the US, who were and still are really big supporters of mine early on. But it was in the more general art world and certainly in the UK that invisibility, that thing of being invisible, of people turning their backs on you at dinner, of of not talking to you, of... um, not being included in anything because not and not be, just because people saw you as an issues-based artist or someone who was niche in a way that they didn't want to engage with. That, and at some points, was difficult. That would that hurt in a certain way. But at the time, I can't say I really cared, and mm. that hasn't changed. If anything, it's increased. I really don't care now. And the same people who would turn their backs on me and ask me to take their coats or mm. completely ignore me in mm. 2007, 2006, um, are now prostrating themselves on the floor to me, which mm. I still don't care about. Mm. I still don't care. <laughs> and I think that was, yeah. that was, that's been my abiding mantra, is particularly when 
things have been really were really difficult or or reached a crisis point in some way, I realized actually all of this stuff it doesn't really matter. The the thing that I've always really cared about was the work I was doing. The the people that I think with the people that I respect the people that I work with and who have always been big supporters of mine and I've been big supporters of theirs and mm. what we've done together and built together was mm. that's what matters these mm. kind of rather that a scene or a career on art world has never ever mattered yeah. it doesn't matter it's just it's it it's never been a concern of mine because it was never mine it was never something i was a part of so i kind of to answer your question a very long-winded sort of no, way really <laughs> um, i i didn't yeah i don't i i don't yeah I don't, does it does yeah. it if it doesn't matter to you does mm. it matter that it matters to other people experiencing it so you know edward's mm. story about mm. walking into vogue and mm. you know mm. being told to use the mm. the side entrance to deliver yeah. something you know Absolutely. that matters and yeah. as we know yeah. and so there's a yeah. sort of you know yeah. there is a political aspect yeah. to the invisibility that Absolutely. is wrong it's wrong and, and it can be wrong yeah. as a woman you know when yeah. how you know we notice you know we know yeah. that we go to parties and yeah. a certain kind of person or yeah. a young person that's ignored yeah. or a quiet person that's ignored or yeah. a black person that's ignored or a you know somebody yeah. wearing the wrong dress it it, it and it, it's great to have the confidence that that yeah. Yeah. is something that your work can see through but then for other people yeah. you know who are experienced who don't have that it's, it's yeah no it's, it's really hard uh, and i think mm-hmm. it it, it the, that's why the things that get you through when you're younger or you're mm-hmm. not as confident or you don't have the kind of agency will yeah. be that circle of people or that circle of support that really yeah. even you know if it, if it was it even if it's your family, even yeah. if it's your your partner, or, or you know, you you need someone to turn to, mm. who can say, "Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, I get it. I know." Yeah. Um, and I think because these things still happen, it's not like yeah. a, it doesn't happen to me yeah. anymore. It still does. Yeah. You know, still, it's that classic thing when people before people know who you are, they don't yeah. respect you. Yeah. I have a problem with that. Yeah. It shouldn't matter who I am. I don't, I'm not someone who goes somewhere. I don't believe in... I don't see myself any differently than I did 20 years ago. So I'm not going to mm. go in somewhere and say, do you know who I am? Because yeah. that's ridiculous to me. But I shouldn't have to, and neither should anyone yeah, else. No, no and and it's, it's having... It's that sense... I mean, a friend was telling me a story yesterday of something that happened to them, very similar, that this... You know, being followed around a store. I mean, that, that kind of thing. You shouldn't have to go in... And prove anything yeah. in order to be respected, and that—that's the difference. It's, I think, was it Nina Simone who said, "You know, love us or leave us alone." It's—it's yeah. it's simple. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What do you make when you make cakes? Do you have oh, certain ones you wow. like? Oh, wow. Everything. But my favorite thing to bake is any type of sponge cake. Yeah. Because that was really... I learned to bake from my mum. Oh, did you? And she was, um, she did a catering course in the 70s. Yeah. And, you know, she was a nurse. She was very busy, worked yeah. nights, yeah. as did my dad, mm. both nurses. But baking for her was just such a joy. Yeah. She loved doing it. And I used to love watching. So I would stand or sit and just watch her do it intensely. And I always wanted to help. And for many years, she wouldn't let me because I'd have messed yeah. it up. Yeah. But just watching and watching and watching. And those little things that, just stay with you forever, like the, the never, ever, ever open the oven yeah. before a certain point. Because yeah. um, I, I could never wait. I, yeah, I was really, I wanted to see yeah. it. I wanted to see it rise. Yeah. I wanted to see what's happening. Yeah. And I would always panic and open the oven and then it would sink. And it, it became a kind of running joke that my cakes would always sink because yeah. I was too impatient. Yeah. Um, and I'd always turn the oven up too high. And that, yeah. yeah. But a sponge is really hard to make. Yeah, the science. It's one of the yeah. easiest yeah. You know, recipes, but actually to make a good sponge as a talent. Yeah. Would your mother, was she was born in Ghana? She was born in Ghana, yeah. 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 So, Tell me about her, what was she like? Oh, she, she's amazing. She's, yeah. she's wonderful. She does, she's, she's my, my hero. Did yeah. she come as a young child here? Or? No, no, no. She came in her 20s, um, as did my dad. Well, my, my dad was a bit older, but they came in the 1960s. They met in Ghana. They met in Ghana, married mm-hmm. in Ghana, moved here to work as nurses, settled down, and we all came along yeah. in, the, in the 70s. There? There's three of us. I have two older brothers. So going back to the early days, what was it like growing up in your household? If your parents were both nurses and they yeah. were working, yeah. did they work nights and days or shifts? Um, or did you Nights, have, yeah. yeah. So there was always one of them home. Would you have a family yeah. you know, all around the table? Well, one thing, I mean, I, we did we, we did at the weekends more, I guess, or mm. when they were both home, then we'd all be around the table. But weekends, I remember breakfasts on the Sunday were would, a real everyone together. What, everyone what would you be, eat? Oh, omelettes. My dad made a yeah. very good omelette, a kind of everything but the kitchen sink omelette, oh, yeah. which was very good, very, yeah. very good. Um, he used to put baked beans into the omelette, which, omelet. which was oh. bonkers, but yeah, yeah. really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and would they have cooked in Ghana, do you think, or did they really I'm start like, well, cooking? You know, my, they both, I think they'd both always cooked. My, my dad... I mean, like we, we, we ate a lot of Ghanaian food when I was a kid, like um, fufu, which I can't eat mm. now. I don't, I don't like it anymore. I think the traditional way it's made in Ghana is with pounded, um, I'm going to get this wrong, cassava and plantain okay. together. And it's, it's pounded until it becomes like a big sort of doughy mass mm. and you have it with, with stew or soup, yeah. with meat and fish. Um, it's very heavy. Yeah. And did you grow up with other friends who were Ghanaian? Was there a community? A few, yeah, I mean, we had all of our... Um, I, my parents had a large sort of network, circle yeah. of friends. And where where was here. this, in London? Where South. Yeah. South. I remembered spending a lot of time in mm. markets, supermarkets, shops. Yeah. Um, my, my dad 
used to go and buy his meat, like from the halal butchers. Oh, really? <laughs> and like, because he's he was yeah, Muslim, awesome. so mm-hmm. we he would always, we always ate halal meat. And one of my abiding memories was was in Balham before it gentrified, before it became posh, when Balham mm-hmm. was still yeah. a market surrounded by mm-hmm. some fairly odd shops here and there. Um, I love I love Old Balham. Old Balham was quite magical, but mostly because there was this. My dad's favorite butcher was in Balham, and he would go in and inspect all of the goats' heads, like the, for the goats' head soup he used to make. And so each he'd be you know, this guy would be picking up all these goats' heads, and it's like my dad was inspecting the teeth, <laughs> yeah. just looking at the faces, looking at the eyes. I just I was so bonkers to think, but it became so normal. Yeah. I mean, I just going in and inspecting yeah. goats' heads with my dad was oh. was a, a main memory of shopping with my dad. And then we go to the market that was alongside that butcher's, mm. um, where the, where they had like the yams, the plantains, everything, mm. and there was a little. Ghanaian food shop there as well I think it's long gone now that sold all of the pepper sauce and the dubiously acquired dried fish that we weren't entirely sure was legal yeah (laughs) it's very good though it's delicious um but I'm not sure I mean it used to be very easy to bring a lot of things in from Ghana like people I, I have a you know, things like snails and, you know, the dried fish and everything, all these things that you can't really get here. Yeah. I think it's a lot harder. You know, there's, there's dogs at the airport yes. and stuff to stop you breathing. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But did you go to Ghana then as a child? Did they yeah. take you back? Was that yeah. part of your memory? Yeah, of, we went back a few times when I was, when I was young. And it was, yeah, mm. we, the, I mean, the markets there are extraordinary. Mm. I mean, it's really um, a lot of action. Yeah. Possibly too much action for yeah. me, oh, but yeah. it was yeah because yeah, my auntie actually worked in um, worked at one of the markets, and I remember going to visit her there and just yeah it was extraordinary, really extraordinary. A lot of noise, a lot of chaos. Were you only was it cakes that you only made? Were you allowed to when I was younger? Only cakes, really. Um, right. I, I don't think anyone trusted my cooking. My my huh. my dad was very particular. He's he's he passed away um, twenty sixteen, but he he was very particular about what he would and wouldn't eat. Okay. So he he could never get his head around white sauce, and I think it's just kind of a Ghanaian mm. male thing. Mm. White sauce isn't mm. is is somehow. Yeah. Not correct to yeah. him. So anything, if I put anything in front of him that had like a white sauce, mm. he wouldn't touch. So I, I seem to remember once trying to give him, I'd made a, a fish pie or something, and my mum liked my fish pie. Mm. She could eat my fish pie. My dad just couldn't even look at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of eating something with a white sauce white just—it sauce. Yeah. had to be red or brown. Yeah, um, so yeah, but I did. I as I got older, I did used to do things. I'd, I'd commandeer the roast, yeah. like. Um, We'd we'd have like roast lamb or roast chicken, and then if it burned, it was my fault. So um, yeah, <laughs> I used to like watch it religiously yeah, and yeah. you know take it out and turn it and stuff. Did you paint as a as a teenager? When did you know that you um, wanted to? This is. What, I always made know? things. I always mm. did things with my hands. I was was always trying to make something, usually mm. out of cardboard or I mean, mm. drawing pictures. I did a lot of drawing as a teenager. I started painting when I was on my foundation course. And so um, it was encouraged by your parents? They did not encourage it. Mm. I mean, they could see what I was into. I think my dad was just baffled by the whole thing. Mm. My mum was far more um, 
tolerant in a way. He, she used to sit for me a lot. Okay. I wish I could find those paintings, actually. Yeah, where somewhere. are they? I don't yeah, know. They must be buried them. in my mm. parents' house somewhere. I did lots of paintings of my mum, drawings of my yeah. mum. Um, pretty accurate, actually. I think, I think at that point they thought maybe there was something in it, you know, because I could get a likeness. Yeah, and, school, <laughs> and school was, was um, yeah. encouraging as well. Did you have art classes um, at Yeah, yeah. There was mm. a, I remember my, my high school, my secondary school, had a very, very good art and drama department. Mm. They'd, they'd converted a whole building into just art and drama, which I remember thinking was amazing. It was brand new at the time. I mean, it was the early, late 80s, early 90s, but it was brand new and that was kind of unheard of around there. And so you went to Falmouth? Did you? I went to Falmouth um, and then to the Royal Academy. Yeah, which was, what was the difference? What was Falmouth like? Oh, Falmouth was, Falmouth was very, very calm. It's, it's quite far away. <laughs> very far, very yeah. calm. Far I loved away. it. I had yeah. a really good time there. Um, yeah. It's amazing to be by the water yeah to study so in in the somewhere that was just so different to anywhere i'd ever been because yeah. so I, I was born and raised in london yeah. so it was i didn't want to go anywhere that was a city because i felt like yeah. i i was in the city you know this is yeah. london was so important to me um yeah Tell, it's, where is falmouth it's kind of the end of the country in cornwall mm-hmm. which is i think the most they do say the it has um, more weather than anywhere else in the country. They have percentage-wise more more of everything, more oh, rain, more weather, more, more, weather. more weather, just more weather. <laughs> they used to say they've got more weather in more Cornwall weather. than anywhere else in the yeah. in the country, and the climate was quite insane. Like it would rain, it could rain nonstop yeah. for for weeks on end, months on end, and then it, it could be really tropical as well. It was mm. like the most tropical point. There are palm trees, sandy beaches. It really does, or at least it did back then feel like paradise mm. it was still quite sort of cut off in the way that it felt because we didn't have mobile phones and stuff yet there wasn't I mean a couple of people had one but no one else did um I remember going to pay phones and stuff to make calls which seems odd now yeah. um <laughs> with one phone in the with house money, and we all had yeah, to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um and it, it it just had that nice feeling of being at the end of the of the earth to me it felt like I was in the middle of nowhere which was so liberating with, with the tradition of painters you know yes um, yeah. and Ives. so Nicholson and yeah, yeah. Patrick Heron and yeah. Barbara Hepworth yeah there was a community of yeah of tradition there. yeah and we had well, very great we had great tutors had good teachers. really good teachers yeah. who were who were you know all living down there very yeah. different pace and they'd all, a lot of them had been in London and just like yeah. studied, you know, pay, as artists in London and just yeah. thought, no, this is time to, no. time to get and out. What did you eat? Um, a lot of pasties. Oh, yeah. pasties. We had what? no money. Well, okay. No money so at all. So what is and a past- pasty? Oh my goodness. So the, the old version, the, mm-hmm. the traditional version was you'd have this semicircle shaped mm-hmm. pastry with a sort of woven edge that's quite thick mm. like a, a twisted edge that's thick that, that you could hold on to and then inside traditionally you would have half sweet and half savory um and it was for the miners i mm-hmm. guess to mm-hmm. to be able to hold the edge which is the crust that they wouldn't eat because it was dirty because mm. they're holding mm. it there and then they would eat the savory part and then they would have dessert afterwards now of course they don't really do them like that anymore mm. <laughs> Because yeah. it'd be, but yeah, it wasn't ideal to put the sweet and savour into the same thing and split it. But yeah, we had a, a it's lot. It's really of, funny, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's a, I, I think that 
Um, so that's brother, my, my stepson, when he was at the Royal College, yeah. tried to design airline um, tableware that was like a pasty, that you oh, could really? kind of eat the tableware. <laughs> <laughs> we, we used a lot of energy because we walked everywhere. On one level, I was the fittest I've ever been, probably yeah. also the most malnourished. The hungriest, yeah. And the hungriest, kind of malnourished, but very uh. fit. I remember one time, we scraped our pennies together to go for a fancy meal because we thought, well, I think, well, no, we didn't even scrape pennies. I think we, we said we were going to use our credit cards that mm-hmm. night, the, the emergency credit cards that were student credit cards. So there was a, you know, you had about 10 pounds to spend on it anyway. Um, and we went to a fancy fish restaurant and took one look at the menu and we were horrified because mm-hmm. everything cost more than 10 pounds. And I ordered the prawns because I thought, oh, this will be, you know, it's not often I get to have prawns, too expensive. And they they brought us, I had a plate, and, and the, the plate, it, it was £12, you know, so it was a lot of money, and there were six prawns on it. And I rem- remember being so upset. We were just so horrified. I think we all got the prawns, we were all just like... We're going to be hungry. We're going to yeah. be really hungry after, and we can't have anything else. That's all of our money gone into these prawns. Um, we were so angry, yeah. but we left, and I think we had toast because we, <laughs> we, we were still <laughs> we were still so hungry when we got back. Yeah, yeah. it has a, it has a very de- strong identity. Cornish food. Yeah. And so when you went back to London, was it a big difference for you? Did you live at home when you came back? I did. Yeah, I lived at home for the first year and a half at the RA. So when did you have your first apartment? Okay, so I shared a flat with two friends. Yeah. And what did you cook when you had your own kitchen? What was that like? Well, they, as I recall, if I remember correctly, they were both vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So I I kind of fell into step a little bit. I didn't want to. (laughs) I felt a bit bad bringing dead animals into the house. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't deal with the horror in their eyes yeah. every time I get meat out. Although I think I did used to cook chicken from time to time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't remember, actually. It's strange, that period of time. That was it, because we used to eat at the RA a lot. The RA right. canteen was amazing back huh. then. The RA school's canteen yeah. was incredible. There's a school in the Royal Academy? Yes, now? Yeah, yeah, it's the same one, same, same place under yeah. the, in, in the dungeon, yeah. um, under the building. And they had the most incredible canteen there we have a common thread and we have many things in common you and i but one of them is our huge respect for james baldwin yeah and he was you know for me a formidable yeah character in, absolutely in, in history mm-hmm. what what is what was your link to Baldwin? oh gosh i i remember living in crouch end i was coming to the end of my MFA at the RA and I just I can't, I think I just stumbled on the fire next time hmm. and I remember sitting down and reading it in an afternoon on the porch of, of the this very strange flat we hmm. lived in um, and it was quite an odd design because we were our our sort of porch area was the roof of the place underneath us and we hmm. were surrounded by um, the backs of houses and so you had the sky opening up above you, but then these backs mm. of houses and then Alexandra Palace in the distance. It was kind of a really amazing view. Mm. But you were kind of in this amphitheatre as well. So, but, and, and normally that bothered me, having the feeling that people were watching. But I, was so, I remember being so engrossed in this book over the 
course of an afternoon that I just sat there and read the whole thing. And yeah, that, that was really, that stayed with me. That, yeah. that gave me, gave me a lot of strength. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You went upstairs to the uh, pastry kitchen. What was that like? It's incredible up there. It's yeah. huge. No, it's extraordinary to see. It's, it's such a simple, tidy, neat environment yeah. to see all these huge, exciting things yeah. coming out of. They're making all those cakes because we're doing um, an event tonight. At the, yeah. at the, actually, at the Tate. Uh, so, welcome to the pastry kitchen. Thank you. Sort of hidden lair upstairs. Extraordinary. <laughs> My name's Bella Tubbs and I'm the head pastry chef at the River Cafe. So we're going to talk about cooking and baking. Lynette is an amazing artist but also is a great baker. So she wanted to see the polenta, almond and lemon cake. So I'll leave it to you guys. Absolutely. How do I make a polenta cake? Uh, so we cream the equal parts butter and sugar together. Yeah. Um, and we tend to add all of our lemon zest and lemon juice at that point yeah. uh, just to make sure it's like fully infused into the yeah. butter. Make sure it's beautifully light and fluffy. We've got our KitchenAids over there and we'd yeah, just leave the butter and sugar creaming for at least a good 10 minutes ten before minutes. Okay. we then start adding our eggs and our, all our dry ingredients. Yeah. So you can exactly. ground the almonds really finely yeah. into a beautiful flour with yeah. the polenta in. Um, and then, yeah slowly but surely add the sort of dry stuff with the eggs right um, and, and so is this because again I was always taught you fold you fold the powder in you fold the flour you fold the it, does it make a difference with a polenta cake because the, the folding was to keep the air in or something yes. to, to keep so it... we use a paddle in right. our mixer so essentially that's the same sort of process as yeah. folding I think if you were to do it by hand, sort of very romantic ways, folding it in. <laughs> As for us, we're just like, speed is of the essence, yeah. we just want yeah. it in the oven straight away. So, um, yeah, we use a paddle and then um, incorporate all the ingredients together, yeah. line a tin on the base and sides, and then in the oven for an hour and a half at 150. Hour and a half at 150. And yeah. is that depending on size? So this is for a... So this is for a 10-inch tin. A 10-inch tin, yeah. right, got it. Got um, it. And, yeah, that will tend to serve about 20 portions in the restaurant, give or take. But um, it's lovely to have for breakfast. It's a really nice cake. 
Good if you're feeling very decadent, or elephants, <laughs> or afternoon tea, or I'm trying to think of any other time of day. Um, but yeah, and then we serve it with this gorgeous caramel sauce over the with the blood oranges and a dollop of creme fraiche. <laughs> Sounds good. It's the most beautiful plate I think we serve on yeah. the in the sort of dolce side of the restaurant. And it's gorgeous with the yellows and the sort of burnt oranges. Yeah. It's interesting because with River Cafe, but up until about four years ago, we never had a pastry chef. You know, really? We never had a pastry kitchen. We just all made cakes. You know, it was oh, the wow. idea that every chef had to make a cake, you know, and had yeah. to make it a tart. And, and it was all yeah. part of the thing. Yeah. And then, um, first of all, some of them, I don't know if you're like that, but some people are really good at cooking you know, beef or lamb or fish mm. or vegetables, and they don't like making cakes. And then some people just love making cakes and don't like doing doing uh, everything else. So yeah. we, and then I guess we got bigger, and then we had that space. And then you used to come in the morning, and somebody would be rolling out, you know, pizza dough or pasta filling, and next to a nemesis, an alarm yeah. would go off. And people <laughs> I have to stop making the tomato sauce and go take something out of the oven. So we've yeah. got very grown up and very professional had a pastry kitchen. Yeah. And um, it's good. But it's a little bit far away because sometimes we don't go it up there. Enough. Yeah. yeah. So, it's so, a dream. Yeah. It's a dream it's to have that good. much space to, yeah. to yeah. bake it. And it's quite calm, wasn't it? Yeah. Today? When you go up there, they're making, yeah. uh, they're making all those cakes. Dura told me that you, you cook with rigor, that you when you bake your cakes that there's a kind of discipline and a kind yeah. of organization yeah. and a way so maybe you were brought up that way or do you think yes. it's something you've always yeah no very yeah. much so very much yeah. so my, my dad was would my dad was the kind of cook who would stand over something and watch it cook mm-hmm. <laughs> and he considered mm-hmm. anything else to be yeah. a dereliction of duty like yeah. you don't leave your post you just stand there and yeah. stare at it if it's so. boiling an egg yeah. cooking a curry you stand yeah. there and you don't leave it because it's going to burn I've I've chilled out a bit with that, but yeah. there are certain things you make that you have you can't leave alone, yeah. like porridge. Like I had mm. porridge this morning. When have you been in, you know, doing your, your painting all day, and then mm. you do have friends? Mm. What do you like to cook, to cook. at night? Um, yeah. So, so the last I I did cook dinner for a bunch of friends a few weeks ago, oh, and I'm okay. very very indecisive and probably not not the most confident of cooks so I cook I always cook like five things in mm. the hope that somebody will that. like one thing <laughs> <laughs> and eat it yeah. all um yeah. so you don't I, do that with your painting though do you pretty much oh, I do, do actually do yeah, five, yeah I do five like one pick them. one yeah. yeah yeah it's the same way I paint really a lot just do a lot and figure out which one works so I cooked a venison pie mm. topped with like mash so I did that. that um, roast chicken. Oh, I forgot what the other thing what was. What vegetables do you like to cook? I love cooking kale and cavolo nero and mm. things like that. I kind of almost dip them in hot water yeah. and drag them out so they're almost mm. raw, yeah. which drives my mum insane. Really? Because she <laughs> hates it. She's like, this is too, it's she really wants, tough, it's yeah. too chewy, why no. don't you cook it? I was always saying, yeah. no, mum, you have yeah. to seal in the goodness, you yeah. need this, you yeah. know, you, 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 need, you need all these vitamins and you have mm. to just get through it because it's good for you. I don't know if that's true, but I, <laughs> I was raised to think yeah. you don't overcook. I think it's, it's always, I always think it's interesting, you know, in, in England they boil everything, they used to, yeah. you know, boil everything for hours. <laughs> As a friend of mine used to say, you know, when when suddenly people started working, they'd say, oh, we only, you know, gosh, we don't have 
time to cook, so we're only going to be able to cook the vegetables for half an hour, yeah. so 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's what we grew up with. I mean, that's what I'm sure that's and, why. But then, the, you know, you then know. the Italians do cook them for a long time. They, oh, really? they don't have anything al dente except for pasta. I oh, think. right. The Italian vegetables are usually cooked for a long time, but they're usually stewed yeah. in olive oil. Yeah. Or if they're if they're yeah. boiled, then they're boiled till they're quite soft, but then yeah. a lot of olive oil yeah. and lemon after that. Yeah. yeah. We have talked about food and mm-hmm. growing up in Ghana and painting and traveling mm-hmm. and cooking. Mm-hmm. And so I think we also think how food does affect our memories. And yeah. it's been great learning about your life through, through food and your memories. Yeah. And I suppose the last question to you, and if you were to say that there was a food that you might turn to when you need comfort, so a food that not necessarily when you're hungry, but when you feel that somehow eating something will make you feel better, maybe you feel more loved, less tired, mm-hmm. Uh, less lonely, less invisible, whatever it is. Is there a food that you would go to for comfort, Lynette? Yeah, yeah, there is actually. And it, it's it's hard to get right. So um, you have to buy the right ones and they have mm. to be the right level of ripeness. Spence is killing me. They can't be too uh, ripe and they can't okay, be let unripe. Me guess. Okay, go <laughs> give me a quiz. What, what are the okay. hints? It's something that looks like one thing but is actually another. It's like a large version of another. Yeah. What did you say? <laughs> he got the answer. What was it? Is it called pl- platans? Plantains. 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 They look like bananas. <laughs> well done, Zed Rogers. So Zed Rogers, our producer, is coming here to, to, to steal my... my. They didn't even let me guess. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't think I would have been the answer. <laughs> um, so the... the so the... Um, but the the particularly the 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 red what we call the red plantains are the the ripe one mm. um, because it's and it I, I love it because it reminds me of my mum and my dad and being at home and it was always a real treat mm. and my mum will still cook it when I go home mm. but you you we tend to do it the the lower cholesterol version so okay. cut them and roast them in the oven. But like I said, they have to be at the right point of ripeness. No butter or, or oil on them. You nothing. Just, them. just in the in oven. In the skins? Or oh, no, out of the skin. Out of the skin. No oil, nothing. Just in a non-stick, a really good non-stick mm. pan, because otherwise mm. you won't get them off. Mm. And then you serve them with peanuts. Oh. Yeah. Peanuts, my, and, what, wait, peanuts just... and plantains. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Comfort food. Comfort. Very comforting. Okay. Reminds well, me of mum and dad. tomorrow morning in the pastry kitchen. Thank you with us, showing us how you do your time. And thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. The River Cafe Lookbook is now available in bookshops and online. It has over 100 recipes beautifully illustrated with photographs from the renowned photographer Matthew Donaldson. The book has 50 delicious and easy-to-prepare recipes, including a host of River Cafe classics that have been specially adapted for new cooks. The River Cafe Lookbook, recipes for cooks of all ages. Ruthie's Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomai Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.